I am so glad that Jesus loves me. That brings so peace in your heart. Do you, do you know that if sometimes you sit somewhere and you think, oh, the whole world is against me, nobody loves me. Know this, that Jesus loves you. Yes, and it is so wonderful. He loves even me, praise the Lord. Now, I think it's good to sing this song when you're going to see what I want to talk about today. And uh, this message has been brewing in my heart for quite some time now. It's a, few, uh, it's a few weeks, in fact months, as you think about what we're going through in this world. I want to talk to you today about Psalm 42. Now just looking at what you see on the board there, what's going through your mind? In Psalm 42 verse 5, the psalmist write down, and most probably it is David who write this down, the, the scholars and so on, they can't pin it down to David, but the psalmist, I would say, wrote down these words. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And today I want to talk to you a little bit about depression. Something the world's got much to say. But let me tell you this morning that the Bible has got so much to say it as well. And I'm talking today about children of God. I'm not talking to the world. I'm not standing on a, on a lectern or a lecture, lecture stage in front of unbelievers. I want to talk to the church today. I want to talk to children of God today. And just looking at that photo, just looking at that picture there, what emotions is coming up inside of you? What feelings is starting to, to come up inside of you? Because depression is real. It's not something which is, which is not real. It is real. It's real in the world, and we see what happens in the world, and, and we see the effect that it's got in the world on people, but it's also real in the church. See, when God saved us, when He came and He, and he saved our souls, He didn't make us to walk five centimeters above the earth and we're just floating around with a halo upon our heads and nothing of this world is going to touch us. That's not what's happening. Each one of you and myself has got feelings and if you've got feelings in the world and you can be affected by the world, this will affect you. The word depression talks for itself. It says that something is, is pressed down. It is depressed it is, uh, it is put down. And if you look around the world and you see what's going on, the attack on young people, uh, the lockdowns, COVID, we can't travel, you can't do things which you used to do. And for some people, it's terrible on their minds. For some Christians, it's terrible to sit there We've been locked down for over a year in your homes. You couldn't even speak to people except through a, a screen. You look in a screen, but there's only so far you can go in a screen. It's not that warmth there. It's not the touch there. You can't walk over and give somebody a hug. I mean, you know, you, you should see when Anne comes in and she gives me one of her hugs. And I'm looking forward some Sundays for that, that sisterly hug. And now the world won't understand this, but we do. It is the love of Christ. It's coming in and shaking somebody's hands and looking him in the eyes and go, and I can see everything is going all right. You can't do that over a screen. And we were locked down to this thing. And let me just say this, that the enemy, the, de the devil, one of his vows is to separate the children of God. There is a difference between fellowship and separation. Separation is doing that. Separation says we've got the technology. And you and I know I've got family in South Africa and, and when you contact them over, over Skype or over... It's not the same. It's good to see the smiles and the laughs, but you do not know what's going on behind the screens. And in a way, in a way, every one of us has got a screen and this is our faces. 
This is it, this little place over here. And as you walk in here, I'm looking at your screen. What are you, what are you projecting? What are you showing the world through this little space in here? You walk in with a beautiful smile, but your eyes is dead. And I know if I look you physically in the eyes and I come over and I say, is everything going all right? And you say, yes, it's going all right, but I can see it's not good. Fellowship means then that I can come to you and I can put my arm around your shoulder and say, brother, sister, it's okay. It's okay. Jesus is alive. Do you know what I'm talking about? You see, but some of us have still got this screen, but we, we can't see what's behind the face and what's going on in the heart and what's going on in the mind. This is a terrible thing. It destroys people's lives. It destroys families. So I prayed about this, and, uh, and I must say to you, honestly, there was a, a day and a couple of months ago where I was sitting like this, young man, in my office before the Lord, and I said, Father, I just feel empty. This doesn't escape anybody. And if you sit here this morning and say, oh, come on, preacher, I came here to hear another message, an uplifting message, this will be that. But if you sit here this morning and say, you know what, I don't get depressed. That's good. Then do me a favor. Take this message, box it up, and put a glass on it and say, when depression hits you, break the glass and listen to the message. Because we are not machines and we are living in this world. So if you say this doesn't touch me this morning, thank God for that. So when I was sitting there and seeking the Lord and praying to Him, because although you've got family around you and you've got people around you, you can still feel lonely. The Lord started speaking to me through Psalms. Now, it's really interesting. I've heard a preacher one day talking about another man coming to him and preacher, both preachers. And they said, this other preacher said, you cannot preach to the church out of the book of Psalms. It's not a book that you can preach out. And I, and I thought for myself, how poor, how poor is that person? Because the book of Psalms is wonderful. And I've been living on Psalms for the last, I would say, five months. So depression is a widespread condition. It affects Christians and non-Christians alike. It's not to say, like I say again, that you say that you're a child of God, that these things won't come over your life because you still got feelings. God just didn't make you a small little computer. Those who suffering can experience intense feelings of sadness. Sadness, but this is intense feelings of sadness. And if you talk, and I've, I've ministered and counseled some people over my lifetime, this is a kind of sadness which makes sore. This is a kind of sadness which is sticking to a person. And if you talk to people, you can actually experience that sadness. And some of these people experience anger, and, and wait for this one, wait for this one, hopelessness. Hopelessness. That is a bad situation to sit in when you sit in a state of hopelessness. Hope at least gives you something to look forward to. Hope at least puts you to bed at night and say there's a better day tomorrow. Hope at least knows if your pockets are in today, tomorrow there will be something. Hope is something that you can hang on to. Hope gives you energy in your body. Hope gives you everything in your mind to work so that you can get up the next day and do what you want to do and need to do. But if hope is not there, you, you call it hopelessness. It's a longer word. I don't know about you. Hope is easier for me to say than hopelessness. It feels effort. And this is what happens to people when they're hopeless. Everything in life is an effort. And you see there's also experiences of fatigueness setting in and a variety of other symptoms. Now, I, I just want to say, and I needed to say it as a disclaimer this morning, that I'm by far not a topic expert. So I'm not standing here today and say I know everything about this, this subject or this topic. But I know where to get the answers from. You see, people may begin to start feeling useless. You don't have to put up your hand, but I know that people feel like that sometimes. Useless. 
And you know you can hear it when people speak and you can hear they, they use words and language which explain exactly what's going on in their heart. And one word that you can put a phrase around and you can tie it around and you pull the knot in, it's the word uselessness. People start feeling, I don't matter. People start feeling they don't care and thus I won't care. You see, and that's the word on the screen there, people started feeling suicidal. Now I know not all depressions get to this point. I know all of this is not, but you and I know that this is the next step. And the one who's looking at this very intensely is the evil one, is Lucifer, is the one who wants to bring people down that spiral to a point where they sit, where they say, nobody care, I don't care, and suicidal thoughts get into their minds. And I want to say just right now, if at any stage in your life you feel like that, please talk to somebody. Come and talk to me. I've sat down with people at this place in their lives. I've sat down with them. It's not because of me that those people are still alive. It's because they started talking about it. And there is help for people there. So if you sit here in this place, I know it's small, but know this, brothers and sisters, that these messages that I preach here is going out all over the world and it's going into places which I can show you where people actively listening to it. And if there is people listening to my voice anywhere in the world right now, and you're at this point of place where you sit down and you think nobody matters and I don't matter, and the next step is a societal step, I want to say to you, stop right there because that is the final step of the devil to get you to the place where he wants you and you don't want to be. There is hope. Speak out. You see, people start losing interest in things and people that they once enjoyed. Now, I know it sounds so terrible and so heavy this morning, and this is exactly what he does. That is what the word suppression means and depression means. It's not uplifting. And, I, and I'm going to say to you this morning that it is often triggered by abuse, physical or mental abuse. That triggers a lot of these things. But it's also triggered in a lot of cases by age, believe it or not. Age. And I want you to think for a moment this morning about those people sitting in rest homes this morning in old age homes who hasn't got families that doesn't come to them. People who hasn't got loved ones around them, who, who can't even look on a screen and FaceTime somebody. I, I vividly remember I was invited to go and get a, a document signed off by members who's living in South Africa for their, for their mom who was in, in one of these old age homes. And she wasn't a part of our church and the person in South Africa wasn't. It's just a friend who was in our church and they asked me the favor because I could go there as a, as a celebrant, I could uh, celebrant as a uh, officer of the of New Zealand, I could go in there and, and I could witness that he signed the papers and as I walk into this old age home, something grabbed upon me which never did before. I saw people as I walked through and passed places, people who's got no hope, hopeless, sitting and waiting for death to come. You see, sometimes we complain about things that we want and we don't get. And there are people who can't even get what they need. So I've seen hopelessness. I've experienced hopelessness. And I know what I'm talking about. Age and these people and then certain medications happens and conflicts and then, you know, above all of these things, death and loss of life and, and loss of things in their lives. Even freedom. I mean, we're talking today about things. I mean, Oscar and Monica and I had a discussion before and it is happening right now which, where the people don't know it but we are locked down. We are prisoners of Australia. We are prisoners of this country. You can't even freely get onto an airplane now and fly all over the world. You can't do that anymore. You can, and, and you know, you might say, well, just come on, preacher. 
Well, look, it's a great place. I can go to the Great Barrier Reef. I can go here and there. But yet your, your freedom has been locked down. There's people who are sitting in this room who's got loved ones in India and in South Africa and Argentina, all over the world. You can't even go and buy a ticket now. Get on an airplane and go and see your loved ones anymore. And for a lot of people, that is a loss. It's a loss of freedom. And you might sit here today again. You might say, Man, I was born here. I'm an Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. I'm good, you know. It's easy goes, mate. She'll be all right. But there are people who are affected by this. And we need to understand and know this. And about all of these things I want to say to you this morning, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because this is the first step of the evil one to bring you down. Now that is the negative stuff. I told you all about it. And again, like I say, I'm not a subject matter. I'm not going to proclaim that I know everything about depression. And let me also just say, somebody asked me a while ago, they said one of my loved ones take um, pills, you know, medication, medication uh, de- antidepressants and all of these things. Is this of God? Is this of God? This is not that sermon to answer those questions. All I'd say is that depression do change the mind's physical form. And for some people, they have to take the medication. So don't come to me and I will never say to you stop medication. This preacher will never do that because again I'm a novice. I'm not a doctor. And if I'm telling you to stop your medication and you die tomorrow, what's going to happen to me? I won't be that. Oh yes, I trust in God and I know that God can do miracles and God still do miracles. I know that. I know the Bible says we can pray for you and He can heal you instantaneously. But that's not for me to decide. That's for God to operate. So this is telling you a little bit about depression. But I thought, you know, even if I was going through these slides and speaking through this, that I don't have to tell you about depression because I believe every single person in this room know what depression is. But let me come now to the good part. Let me come to the Word of God. Because I did tell you, I was sitting there one morning and... uh, You know, I came before the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm just empty. And and by the way, please, you know, I'm okay, okay? I don't want you to come afterwards and say, Pastor, are you really okay? I'm okay. Praise the Lord, because I'm going to show you what the Lord showed me and how He dealt with me. And He had to take me through that feeling that morning so that I can understand and stand in front of you and not tell to you a sermon which I got out of the internet or give you somebody else's. What I'm telling you today is what God spoke to me in my heart. Not with an audible voice, but through His Word. And as I sat there this morning, the first thing that came up in my mind was, is there anybody in this Bible that went through and felt like I felt that morning? And I started reading in my daily reading and all of a sudden there was a cross reference to another passage and then, and then within that same morning the Lord led me to Psalm 102 and there words for words was the feeling that I had that morning and I knew now that God is speaking to me. He, he pointed his finger and he dropped it right upon my chest and he says, my son, I am talking to you now and you need to understand this, that they were not only you but there is thousands of people that's going through the same thing that you are going through. Not only today, but for the ages of time, people went through the same thing. And here is one of those men. This psalmist writes this in Psalm 102. He's praying to God like I prayed that morning. He says, a prayer of the afflicted. And I went and I looked for the word afflicted there. And the meaning in Hebrew for that word afflicted is the depressed. The depressed. This is a prayer of the depressed. Somebody who's got depression. Listen, if you're a child of God, this is for you. He says a prayer of the afflicted when he was overwhelmed. You see, this is what caused oppressive, a depression, overwhelmness. I just gave you all of that stuff now, but I can take your life now and I can unpack your life and I will tell you the one thing that brings depression upon your life is the overwhelmness of your situation. 
And, and I hear it, some people say to me, they say, look, things don't just happen to me once, but it feels as if it's one, two, three, four things in a row. They say to me, preacher, I take one step forward and it feels as if I'm going back two steps. Is that you this morning? This is the same thing that happened to this, this psalmist, this writer. You see, this is it. You need to understand what brings this. It is your circumstances that overwhelms you, that pushes you into depression. Because the oppressor is suppressing your joy to the Lord. I'll say it again. The oppressor is suppressing your joy to the Lord. The oppressor is coming to you and he cannot stand it. He cannot stand it that you've got joy in the Lord. And he's got to, he's got to use your circumstances and your surroundings to suppress you. Because he can't live in you anymore. Who's living in you? Come on. The Holy Spirit is living in you. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We sing the song. We quote the verses. But still, yes, he is greater. And the world is not greater than that that is inside of me. But here is the thing. He can still suppress you with your circumstances. So he says the prayer of the afflicted when he's overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. You see this man's desperateness? He pours out. He's not talking to counselors. He's not talking to any coast to the Lord direct. And then he just pours out his heart before the Lord. And he says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Have you been in situations sometimes where you haven't got words to say stuff, but your feelings inside of you is whelming up so that it, it just leaks over your eyes and you just pours it out in front of the Lord? This is him. I found this man. In, in verse 2, he says, Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call and answer me. I've, I've spoken to people in my life, and they were sitting in my study, and, and they say to me, Preacher, I pray. I pray to God, but it feels to me as if my prayers is hitting the ceiling, and God is not hearing me. This is Christians. Counsel them. And I found this man, and he said the same thing. He said the same thing. He said it in other words. He says, do not hide your face from me. It feels to this man as if God's not even looking upon his situation. And he wants to put up his hand. He says, God, can't you see what I'm going through? Can't you see my circumstances? Can't you see the oppression? Can't you see the suppression? Can't you see? Can't you understand? This is what this man says, in other words. He says, my face from the day of my travel. He says, incline your ear to me. You can't hear me, Lord. How many times have you sat in a conversation with another person and you speak your heart out and that person has got absolutely, you can see it in their body language, they've got absolutely no buy in what you say. You know what I'm talking about? Here you are pouring your heart out to them. I know that that causes a lot of troubles in families between husband and wife. Believe you me, I've counseled that. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Have you used those words before? Then you know what I'm talking about. Of course I'm listening to what I'm saying. Okay, tell me what I say. Um, paraphrase. <laughs> this man says, God, you are like that. I'm here in trouble and you don't even care. Well, look at this. It gets better, friend. Psalm 102 verse 3. Look, look, listen to this man. My days are consumed like smoke. My days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned like earth. That's an intense fire. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. This man has lost his, he's lost his taste for food even because the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. He's lost so much weight. He's lost so much weight that he's, have you seen people like this, that the, the bones are clinging to their skin. You can see their bones through their skin. This is where this man went. It's a terrible, deep, deep place. But you know what caught my eyes? Because that is what happens to you in your state. He says, for my days are consumed like smoke. What is smoke? What is smoke? Smoke is nothing. Smoke disappears. Smoke is 
And what is he trying to say to God? He's trying to say to God that my days are meaningless. There's no meaning in my days. And the only way that you come to this point is if there's no hope for tomorrow. Can you feel this man's sadness in his heart? And then he goes on and he gets better. Psalm 102, or I should say it gets worse how he describes it. Psalm 102 verse 6, he says, I'm like a pelican in the wilderness. I'm like an owl in the desert. I lie awake and like a sparrow alone on the housetop. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who derive me swear an oath against me. For I've eaten asses like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I'm withered away like grass. Can you feel this man? I'll tell you why you feel this man. is because some of us, we were there. Maybe not to the intensity. Maybe not to that intensity, but at a certain stage. I find it fascinating that he uses these birds to talk to God. Because if you think about a pelican, a pelican finds rest where? In water. That's his food source. That's where he goes and he flies. I mean, if you see a pelican flying, it's a big bird. Have you seen it? It's a massive bird. I mean, I was standing on Santa's golf trap the other day, and I looked up and I saw this massive thing coming over. It wasn't an aeroplane, it was a pelican. And I went, whoa, that's a lot of weight to hold with those wings. Have you seen wings? But as they fly, do you think they were looking for a tree to go and sit in a tree? Have you ever seen a pelican sitting in a treetop? Do you think they will find rest in a treetop? It's too big. Do you think they find rest by just flying the whole time? They get tired. Where do they go? They go to the water. Yet this man says, I'm feeling like a pelican in a, in a wilderness. There's no water, there's no rest. And he goes on to say, like an owl in the desert. Have you seen an owl in the desert? Where does an owl feel an owl? owl? Where does an owl feel rest? In a wilderness. Not in a desert. And then he uses a sparrow. Have you seen sparrows? It's not like in the back, my backyard, it's so wonderful. Um, looking over the pool, there's my fence, and every morning I see two doves. And they come and sit close to each other, two doves. I said to, to Leone when I married her, I said, I'm like a dove, I only pick one. And you my one. <laughs> and some days we sit close to each other. <laughs> That's when I'm listening, the days when I'm listening to what he's saying. <laughs> the other days when I'm in my nothing box and he's trying to tell me a long story and I, I don't respond, it is like, Psh! I'm not sitting cozy close anymore, then you're sitting a little bit distant. But these two doves are sitting at the back there on the fence and you can sit in close to each other. And the other morning I woke up and I looked and there's only one dove. I go, oh, how sad. But it's okay, because then the other dove came and I thought, okay, he had a sleeping, or she had a sleeping, I don't know. <laughs> but sparrows aren't like that. Have you seen two sparrows sitting like that? Sparrow is a lonely bird. And this man is coming out and he says, God, I'm lonely, and nobody listens to me. I don't have rest. My days are meaningless. And then he continues on. And I, and I, and I, and I stop talking about this man by the last verse when he says in verse 11, my days are like a shadow that lengthens. This is you coming to me and say, when is this going to end? I've had people asking me that question. When is this going to end? It feels as if it's never ending. You know, you know, you know, preacher, as I'm coming out of one problem and I just take a breath and I think, whoa, I'm glad circumstances in my life and through that trouble in my life, guess what's happening right there in front of you? You step into the other one. And you go, why? It feels as if my as if my shadows are lengthening and and we know what is in shadow. In shadows there's no substance. You see, depression has emotional and physical consequences. That's what I've learned from this man. 
What is the physical consequences? Man, he got sick. He, he lost weight. You could see his ribs through. He, you know, he didn't eat anymore. But what is, the, what is the, uh, the emotional consequences? He's telling us he's sad, he's lonely, and all these things happen. And I want to hurry up because I want to come to our verse this morning. And the only but one thing that this man can say, and there's a lot of scholars who, who reckons that it is it's David who wrote both Psalms. That is David who wrote Psalm 102, uh, and then there's some who believe that it's him who wrote Psalm 42 as well. But it doesn't matter who wrote it. Somebody wrote it for us to hear it today. You see, for some it just comes down to this one question. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you so cast down? In Psalm 42 now, that's where we find it. To the chief musician, so they put this to song, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah, their dad is the one in Numbers 12, who you remember, he had a rebellion against Moses. And uh, God, God helped Moses and they were destroyed. Korah was destroyed, but his sons were spared. And they stayed in the Levitical tribes and, and they write the song now. He says, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so panteth my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember the things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go to the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with multitude that kept the pilgrim's feast. You see, one of the things that causes depression is something happens in your life, a conflict. And for this man writing this, for this man, which should be everyone in this room, was the desire to worship God in Jerusalem. Now, not for us to go to Jerusalem, but to come to the house of God. This man was separated from the house of God, and that to him felt so terrible, it brought him into a point of depression. You remember how you felt in the lockdown and we couldn't gather here? You remember how it felt? Multiply that. What if we took you out of the city and put you in a strange place and you couldn't even come here? That's what happened to this man. You see, I find it really great. We sing a song as the deer pants for the water brooks. So panteth my soul for you, O God. There's two reasons why a deer is looking for water. Number one is thirst. He wants those streams of water. As he runs through the mountains, he's seeking that nourishment of the water. Jesus said to you and me that he will give us the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and that Holy Spirit will become like gusses of living water that comes out of us. But the second reason why this deer pants for the water is because not only is that, but there's wild wolves and dogs in the wilderness who chases down. You see, for the dogs, a deer is food. And he's got a stench on him. And doesn't matter where that deer runs, they just follow the stench. Have you seen these dogs, how they sniff it out? And wherever he runs, doesn't matter whether he jumps high or runs around a corner, whether it's big, thick bush or nothing, that dog just picks up the scent and he runs after the scent for one reason only. He wants to kill the deer and eat the deer. And the deer runs to the water. Why? Because if he can plunge himself into that water, what happens? The water washes away the stench. Isn't it beautiful? And the dogs can't get him anymore. Friend, let me just throw some picture, a beautiful picture in, in here for you. You and I am that deer, and we're running with the stains of sin in this world. And you know what is so wonderful? The only one, there's one that's chasing, as the Bible says, that the devil is like a roaring lion who's looking around who he can devour. Who does he want to devour? You and me. He's after you. 
And the only thing that we give him opportunity to do is sin in your life. That's the stench. And there's only one thing that I'm looking forward to and that I am like this dear panteth for is to jump into the loving waters of Jesus Christ. And you know what happens? That water washes the the stains of sin so that he can't get me for that anymore I turn around and I say to him look I don't mock him because the Bible says he's a dignitary you you wouldn't believe it or not but the Bible says the devil is a dignitary it's not for you and for me to fight the devil God has got his plan for that for us it is to stand against the vials of the enemy Oh, I've seen so many teachings going on today and they take groups of people through that how to fight the devil you won't hear those sermons in this church because that's not biblical. They put people in really difficult, dangerous situations and places. No, no, no. What you and I do is we run for the water, the living water, the Holy Spirit water, and once we plunge into the water, once we plunge into Jesus Christ, He washes away the stains of sin. Now let's quickly continue with this man. And then he comes after that. He had such a longing for the house of God. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that's not going right? Maybe it's rest. You want, you want to find rest. Maybe it's troubles. Maybe it's circumstances. And maybe it's just piling up upon your life. If that's you, can you say like this man say, Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted in me? You see, there's two ways that he asked this question. Two ways. We know one. I want to tell you about the other one. If you take this verse out of context, like I've done in the beginning, and I use it as a topic, you will only come to one conclusion now if I ask this question. You will see this man sitting in depression right down there, and you go, oh, the world is falling upon me, the sky is falling in. I'm in depressed. And then you look into yourself and say, oh, why am I so depressed? Oh, why are you so cast down on my soul? And you're feeling all of that hurt. This is how we experience that question. But I want to suggest to you a second way, if you put this verse in context, how this man asked this question. He challenges his soul. He's not sitting there defeated now anymore because something is happening here. And I'm coming to the good news now. I've given you this whole sermon, this man, and, and we all went through those feelings and, and, and that roller coaster of feelings. But now this man sits there and he challenges his soul. He's not, he's not happy and accept the status quo. Let me tell you one thing this morning. If you are depressed, depressed friend, don't accept it. Don't just accept your state you're in. Challenge it. You say, where are you going with this preacher? Hang in there, I'm going to show you. He challenged his soul. The question is, is now like, why are you so downcast at home? It's as if he says, you've got no reason to be so downcast. And let me just say, this is not, this is not saying to somebody who's depressed, you can just snap out of it. It doesn't work like that. He challenges his soul. He says, why are you so downcast at my soul? And why are you so disquieted in me? Now, why do I say he's challenging his soul? Because I've just given you the verse halfway through. You need to read the whole verse. Because the whole verse says, Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Can you see now that he's challenging his soul? He's not accepting his condition. He says, for the hope of God is here, and the praise of God is here. How can you still be downcasted? How can you still be so quiet within you? You see, this is not a four-step plan also, but this is just a way for you to come out of that depressive mode. He gives us a clear path here. What is the opposite of hopelessness? Hope. He says, Hoping God. That's where you start. If you sit in your circumstances, I want you to understand one thing. You need to start changing your view to God and start hoping in God. If you can't trust and hope on your own devices, 
it is a good thing because it will push you to open God. And then the second thing he says, praise Him. Praise is a good way of coming out of this for the help of His countenance. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. The soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for salvation of the Lord. You see, just something come up in my mind right now. I was talking to somebody who asked me a question. They said, look, I'm in trouble and I don't think God knows or hears what I'm saying. So I opened up my Bible to that person and I said, look, if I tell you that it is okay, will you accept my word for it? The man said, yes, I will. Because John, you said it to me. I said, but what if God can say that to you? Would you accept it? I said, yeah, well, God, if God says it to me, I will accept it. I said, how do you want God to tell that to you, in an audible voice? Well, that will work if God can tell it to me in an audible voice. I said, what if God doesn't tell it to you in an audible voice? Will you still believe it? Well, I could see in his eyes it was ticking over. So I opened up the place exactly what the scripture verse came up in my mind. And I, and I said, you take this and you read it. And the man took the Bible and he read the words out which answers his question out of the Bible, word for word. I said, who do you think who spoke to you? I asked him, I said, who's, who's in your hands? He says, it's the Bible. I said, is, what is that? He says, it's the word of God. I said, well, hello, God spoke to you right now. And here is the same situation. If I stand with somebody who's in a depressive mode, who's in this mode that this man is, and I say to him, hoping God, who do you think is saying that? Is it me? No, no, God already had the plan to get out of this, and this man is telling it to us. He says, therefore, I hope in him. But you have to wait on him, and you have to seek him. Let me continue on because there's more. Psalm 42 verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember thee. Listen to me, friend. The fact that you are sitting here in the house of God is, is things that God did for you. And if I ask you to testify about your life, a lot of you will tell me about how God came through for you at the right time at the right place. Is, am I right? Remember those things. He says on the mountains of Jordan and from the heights of Hebron and of Mizar. And then, and then it's like a roller coaster. He says, oh Lord, I remember those wonderful things. Wow, it makes me feel a little bit better, Lord. To know that you were there for me in the past. I remember that one time when I went through a difficult time. And then out of the blue, a man came to me and he handed me something. And it was exactly, Lord, it was exactly what I needed. And man, it feels so good to know that you were there, Lord. But see what happens now. He went straight back into it in verse 7. Deep calls unto deep and the noise of your waterfalls and your waves and your billows have gone over me. Can you see? One moment he's up there remembering the Lord and then he feels, ah, oh, here I'm going again. Into the deeps. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and then he lifts him up again. In the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to God of my life. A prayer to God of my life. So there's four things here for you this morning if you feel overwhelmed. Four things. Psalm 27 verse 13, he says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait upon the Lord. Now I want to skip over to four things that he mentioned. And if you are sitting here as a child of God, again, this is not for the world. If I give this to the world, they say, no, 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 we want counseling, we want the psychologist. And God bless their heart, that help. But this is for you and for me, because the devil will come with the circumstances of life and try to oppress you. First of all, hope in God. He's the best one you can put your trust in. The best one. And why? Because he knows what's going to happen. He's read the book. 
In fact, no, let me correct myself. He is the book. He knows the first verse and the last verse. And outside of it, he knows what's going to happen. Proverbs 3 verse 5, you know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight... And by the way, the best way of doing this is, you know, write these down and go and search in your Bible. Do a little bit of Bible study and all the verses that talks about the hope of God. Because friend, brother and sister, if you load yourself up with the Word of God, that will carry you through. The Word of God is life. It says it there in Hebrews. He says it is living. It is living and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's alive. The second thing, praise God. Start praising God. Even for the bad times in your life. If things don't go well, praise Him. Lord, I didn't get what I needed, but praise You, Lord. I trust You. I trust it's good that I didn't get that. I trust You, Lord. Praise Him. Thank You, Lord. You know, we, want, we, we, we thank when we pray to God and we moan and complain about the things that's not happening in our lives and we forget to thank Him for the things that is happening in our lives. We take for granted. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5 18, Give thanks in all your circumstances. Everybody say all. all. What does all mean? Well, it means all. <laughs> it means everything. What do we need to do? Give thanks in all circumstances, good and bad. If you wake up and if something went terribly bad, it's going to take, it's going to blow your mind to look at it and to go, Lord, this terrible thing happened to me. I want to thank you, Lord. Sounds crazy, isn't it? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then remember what He did for you. And again I say, brother and sister, Go, write these down. Go and search in the Bible scripture verses that fit in them and meditate and stay in them and talk with God in them and He will build your resilience. De Deuteronomy, remember the things what He did for you. Deuteronomy 8.2 And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. You will remember that. It is said of Abraham that he built altars and pitched his tents. Have you read his story? He didn't build houses. A house is a, is a permanent place. An altar is a place of worship. A tent is a place of stay temporarily. And you know, if, if Abraham had to look back on his life, and you read through the Old, Old Testament, and you go to every single, this is a good study for you, go to every single place where he's built an altar, and see what God did for him. So when he comes into a difficult situation and the oppressor comes to try to depress him, you know what he needs to do to turn around and say, God, over there, I build an altar for you. I went through difficult places over there, Lord, but you came through for me. I remember that. Over there, Lord, that thing happened in my life. It was a difficult time in my life. I built an altar. An altar is a place of worship. is where you praise God. I praised you in that circumstance and you got me through. Just five years ago, Lord, at that circumstance over there, you know, Lord, that was so terrible. It was worse than the previous one. But I built an altar there and I praised you, God, and I thank you and you pulled me through and here I am today. Is that making sense? Brother and sister, I don't want to just be noisy here today. I want you to listen to the Word of God. And then finally, pray to God. I can't say this more. Pray to God. Speak to Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Pray without ceasing. Keep on praying. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. I want to end with two verses. And all I've given you today is the Word, isn't it? It's verse upon verse upon verse. I want to finish with these words. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. You know, prepare or, or guard what is in this head of yours. God. You know the biggest conversations people have? is conversations with themselves about things that have, hasn't happened yet. Am I Am I right? There's another word for it. 
I don't want to offend you, but the word says paranoia. And you have this whole conversation. Man, you've got to, you even fill in what they're going to say to you. you and then you're ready for it. You got to, they're going to say this now, and then this is what I'm going to say. They're going to say that. This is what I'm going to say. And then you start all over again. Let's just, that's what I'm going to, the conversation going on, the conversation going on. And you are losing sleep and you're losing time and you're rolling. I've got so many scriptures, I couldn't fit them all in. But here is one thing for you to do to negate that, to stop that. Finally, it's as if this morning, not Paul when he wrote to Philippians, it's as if I'm saying this morning, uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Now, if it's a conversation about tomorrow or next week, is that true? No. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any worthy praise, think about these things. This is my wife's favorite verse. When some days, you know, because we are married to each other, we know each other's talk every day. When some days I'm walking in and my eyes, she goes, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Start thinking what's good, what's true, what's all of these. Think about these things. And a good place to start is the sermon today. Write down those things, go search the scripture verses, and if a negative thought comes into your mind, pull out one of these scripture verses and go see what you do with this. Pull out one of these verses and start, that's true, that's commendable, and then finally, you see, I will always come to my finally in the sermon. This is that. So somebody can prepare my wife to come. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging according to the flesh. This is a reminder to you. For the weapons of our warfare is not flesh, but it's divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments with every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's the word. Being ready to punish every disobedience when obedience is complete. So, two things in this last verses. Protect your mind. Think what is good. Secondly, understand we're in a war. But the second one I want to give you this. Obey Christ. Take every thought captive and obey Christ. So if your thoughts are starting to run right and you become paranoid with them, jump to Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Start thinking about honorable things, true things in this. You'd start using the Bible. Bring scripture verses up. Start reading scripture verses. Sit with one scripture verse. Meditate to God. Say, Lord, I read this verse. Talk to me, Lord. Speak through this verse to me. How can it apply? Read on. Look at the, uh, you know, see what other people wrote about it. Apply it to your heart. This is how you take every thought captive and obey Jesus Christ. Did we learn a lot today? I want to pray for you because I care for every one of you. I pray for you every week, every day. I mention your names before him. Because we're living in dangerous times. And I thought it good that God wanted to talk to us about this topic. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that every answer in life is in your word. Even this morning as we spoke about depression, Lord, overwhelmness, overwhelmness. Father, if there's people in this place, even this morning, who's been overwhelmed and they just get through, Lord, just get enough energy for one day and then tonight drop down to bed. If there's any people, Lord, I pray that today's word will lift them. Lift them up, Lord. Give them a way out. Give them direction. Give them hope. Father, I pray for your protection. As, as I said it before, somewhere in today's today, as it becomes more intensified, Lord, as we come closer to the day that your return is, is, is near or is coming, the enemy will become more intensified against us. Help us protect us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.